Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls, today is episode number 71. It is the second week of June 2021. Man, we have a great show for you today. Really, a bunch of good stuff. Um, and, um, you know, a little bit shortened due to a scheduling conflict that I had personally. But uh, we've, we've got a great guest on, a guy who is incredibly hot right now. We'll talk about that in a second. But what's happened? What has happened this last week? I mean, <laughs> uh, lots of stuff. First of all, yours truly, the host of Fast Brackets Nation, uh, had a birthday, I made it one more time around the sun, that was good stuff, uh, appreciate everyone who reached out, said hello, um, you know, birthdays on their own, boy, uh, they will make you feel old, they'll make you reconsider a little bit, uh, but hopefully what they do, and what I was able to do this week was think back on uh, some really good memories and catch up with some people that I just hadn't simply caught up with in a while, so that was all really good stuff. Also good, um, Ross Gregory, you are off the hook. It looks like the Colorado State Police, if you've been following the Fast Brackets Facebook page. They got in on the action. They were with me. They joined forces to stop people hanging out in the left-hand lane. They know it's ridiculous, too. I think what they said was something along the lines of, hey, it's okay to camp in our state parks, but you cannot camp in the left-hand lane, which is what I've been saying and what I need to get the word out. And so, you know, we were gonna we were going to appoint Ross Gregory as the Colorado captain to curb some of that. Thank goodness the Colorado State Police have stepped in to do their part. Maybe we can get some of the rest of these states to do that as well. It's out of hand and we have to have drivers out there that know what the heck is going on. Um, nothing makes me want to have driverless vehicles more than to see some dolt bebopping along in the left-hand lane when I am trying to get to where I am going. So thank you to the Colorado State Police. I don't think I will put a for sale sign in my yard just yet, but if they are going to lead the charge, I may have to think about what the real estate looks like in Colorado and you know what uh, what I could potentially do out there uh, because it is getting absolutely ridiculous the rest of the way. So nicely done, Colorado. Uh, what else happened this week? Oh, I know. Um, if you're a listener to the show, if you've been a longtime listener to the show, then what you've happened over the last week or two is you've been able to say, Oh yeah, that happened. We knew that was happening. That is not a surprise. It's a surprise in 99% of the population, but it wasn't a surprise to me because I have been telling you this for the last year and a half, two years almost. I told you that Dr. Fauci was a complete fraud. He was telling you lies right to your face for whatever reason. Who knows what his ultimate motives were, but last week, what happened? His personal emails came out. 
he would go on TV and say, hey, you need to mask up. This is all going to be a, a real problem for all of us if you don't mask up. And then he immediately he would step off stage and send an email to his personal friend saying, don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. Oh, by the way, there's lots of ways that this uh, can be curbed and the masks mean nothing. So thank you, Dr. Fauci, for being a complete fraud all of last year and saying we don't know where the virus came from. Oh, but all of a sudden now we know it came from the lab in the Wuhan. Well, no doubt. You already knew this if you listened to the show. That in and of itself should not be surprised. surprising to you. You... You likely were taking your vitamin D, you were cutting out the sugar in your diet, you were getting more fit, and the virus meant nothing to you because you went about your day in with a healthy immune system. And it enabled us to race. It enabled us to do all the things that it takes to be a productive human being. Perfect. Uh, shocking that that in and of itself is such breaking news, but it is what it is in today's world. I tell you what, it is hard. It is hard work being right all the time. But when I am, I am. And sometimes, who sometimes uh, it is challenging because when you're right, you want the rest of the world to catch up. And, uh, you know, it just, it's taken a little bit of time. Similarly, I'm telling you, inflation is about to get ready to get out of control. So do whatever it takes to buy assets and not keep your money in cash. We just got a release uh, report out last week that said inflation through the month of May was 5.6%. Um, 5.6% month over month annualized is close to a 60% inflation rate. Yikes. Think about everything that you would buy today being 60% more expensive next year at this time. That is scary. That is, uh, I mean, it's tragic. It could be a real problem for the whole world. You're going to have producers, manufacturers increasing their prices and trying to figure out how to come to grips with uh, maintaining margins in an ever-increasing upward uh, pricing model that is just going to be hard to get their arms around. So, you know, do your thing, but buy buy that new race car. Buy race car parts. Do what you have to do because it's going to be worth 60% more this time next year if we keep on this. Now, you're never going to hear that from the Fed. The Fed is going to continue to give you incredibly dumb responses publicly. They're not going to make any sense to anybody who does any sort of analysis. Uh, they're not on your side. That's fine. We all know that. Just so the people... In the fast brackets, nation know, and you make your decisions accordingly. So, hopefully, if you've been following along for the last several years, you know this is not a shock to you that Dr. Fauci or the Fed and uh, Yellen and all those people that go on national TV to tell you, here's what you should be doing, here's what the, you know for a fact that it's all propaganda. You're not listening to that, you're actually making good decisions for you and your family. And so that's good. That's good. Um, man, wild, wild stuff in the world. But right now uh, in the drag racing world, it is getting hot. 
it's really getting heated. We're losing a few races because of the heat. We're losing losing a few races because of the weather. It might rain, whatever. But uh, these are the days right now. It's getting good. It's getting good. We're getting people that are separating themselves from the rest of the pack in terms of points races. And, you know, this week, this week, I will say this. I have uh, a guest on who is arguably uh, the hottest racer in the country. Um, Nick Maloney, he is just on fire with his top dragster and top sportsman car. And I cannot wait to have him on. So guys, girls, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop. Work on the old heat. But metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on. Get strapped in. Because here we go. All right, let's put this thing in the water box. Let's get this thing hot. Let's talk about the hot topic of the week. And unfortunately, this is a a sad story for drag racing. Um, This past weekend at Dragway 42 in Ohio, there was an event that was wrapping up. The way I understand it, it was wrapping up uh, Sunday night. And some moron who was not at the race... Uh, pulled into the event at the end, uh, started doing donuts and throwing gravel on people uh, in the cars and just creating a general nuisance. When uh, some of those people went to stop that behavior and the track owner got involved, um, this, this, you know, just random wackadoodle uh, pulled out a gun, started firing, and uh, killed one person, injuring several more. Um, And then somehow this guy got away. Um, Now, I don't know if the uh, police at this point have apprehended anyone. There's been nothing that I've seen to this point. Uh, But it it does make a couple of uh, general points. First of all, that this is not a black mark on drag racing, or nor nor it shouldn't be. I should say that it shouldn't be a black mark on drag racing. So don't let anybody take you down that rabbit hole. Uh, this was not a drag racer. This was not anybody that was part of the event. This person showed up randomly. Um, you know, in general terms, um, you know, Airbnb has a bucket of cash. It's about $50 million a year that they spend on black ops advertising in order to make sure that they don't have any negative publicity come out of their Airbnb properties. So this would be a similar thing. It's not something that the track owner did to create this issue. It wasn't anything that the competitors did. It wasn't anything that the fans did. So if we were operating like an Airbnb, we would have this black ops team come in there and shuttle the bad press away. We don't have that. Um, We've talked about fragmentation in the industry before. That's part of what, you know, uh, can create these type of problems uh, for us from a publicity standpoint. Because this wasn't, this was not 
an issue with the racers. It was not an issue with the management. It was not an issue with the fans. It was an issue from a random person that just happened to pull up in the parking lot at a drag strip. Uh, just like things happen in parking lots at NFL stadiums and things happen in parking lots at Major League Baseball stadiums. Things happen. People get a little bit um, out of sorts for whatever reason, and I don't have any reason or knowledge why this particular person decided it was important to go and uh, let his car rip and create those issues and or start firing. Um, it does underline the importance to me to continue to conceal carry um, because the world is getting a little crazier. But it also, um, you know, just outlines to me the fact that the, we're all in public. These are public places. We have to be on guard. But the drag strip is no more scary or dangerous a place of any other place in the world. It just has a lot to do with the media and how these things are portrayed. Now, I have not seen a lot of uh, venom or anything like that thrown at drag racing. But what it does say to all of us is that we have to band together sometimes. So we talked a couple weeks ago about how the uh, SEMA organization was trying to rally the troops and get us all together so that the EPA does not have a reason to take our ability to change our daily drivers to race cars. And if you have not, if you have not gone and spent the 20 seconds it takes to go online and to uh, assist the SEMA group with that, please do that. It's very important, uh, very important to the sport. It's very important for us. It's very important for all of us because if we're united as a front this way, then maybe when things like this happen, if we're a united group, we can have our own black box pile of cash to make sure the publicity goes our way. If not, then anytime something bad happens, then it's just going to be portrayed in the media as the bad drag racers, which is easy to do because that's what people do. They simply make the easiest route and and in their minds, they just take the easiest route. Oh, the drag racers bad. That's what it is. And that that's a problem. We know, we all know that's not the case. So we have to be a little bit more united on that front. And it just goes to this incident, um, while tragic, just kind of reiterated to me that we need to uh, be diligent when we're out in public, no matter where we're at, because these type of crazy people are out there. And secondly, we need to make sure we're a unified front. So one of the things we can do with that is to go to the SEMA page and spend 20 seconds uh, filling out their document, which then goes to your direct congressperson, stopping the EPA from being the Gestapo's that they are. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. And on with us now is a multi-time track champion. 
he has IHRA, PDRA, and now an NHRA National Event Championship to his name. He is the hottest driver in Top Dragster at the moment from Brentwood, New Hampshire. Welcome to the show, Nick Maloney. Nick, how are you today? Good, Rex. How you doing? I'm I'm good, but I am not nearly as good as you are because you are finding wind lights every time you stage it up. Yeah, you know, I just it's it's one of those things I think most drag racers can uh can understand by, you know, sometimes when you're just on a roll and you can't really do anything wrong, uh it's just happening to fall in my fall in my uh my lane no matter what I do, whether I need to drive good or if the car needs to be good. You know, if I need to be lucky, it's just one of those things that I think some guys can relate to. But yeah, I have been driving pretty well consistently, which is helping. Well, uh, I've said this for a while. I've said to win, you've, you've got to be perfect, and then you've got to get lucky on top of that. And so you've done that the last several weekends. You went to the the final in top sportsman at the PDRA event in Bowling Green. Then you won the top dragster event uh, for PDRA in Norwalk, and then it came back and just recently won the NHRA uh, national event, top dragster uh, event in um, New Hampshire. So, uh, man, what a run! What a run, right there, Nick. Yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a run. Uh, even that that top sportsman, the Bowling Green top sportsman race, uh, really. It would have been a close one. I actually had a little problem with the car. I had a uh, my shocks were giving me an issue. Um, but anyway, Stacy Hall did a great job at that race, and uh, we would have had a tight race. And then moving on to Norwalk. Um, long story short, with Norwalk, uh, last time I raced Norwalk was 2004, an IHRA Top Sportsman, and I had lost in the final uh, by triple zero five. Um, oh. Yeah, it was nice to uh, it was nice to be able to return there and actually capture the win in Top Sportsman at the PDRA. Which to me, PDRA and IHRA is kind of like it's kind of like well, excuse me, PDRA is like the old IHRA in my opinion. Right, they're kind of carrying the flag, right, for what the IHRA started in terms of that, or at least it feels <laughs> like it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of. A lot of racers I haven't seen since the mid 2000s. Um, we kind of got away from each other, and when I started to realize that um, PDRA was, you know, um, bringing those racers around again, I, I it really kind of excited me to get into that. And that's how I actually got back into PDRA because I, I really wanted to. We all know, <clears throat> excuse me, drag racing is not just you know the competition part, but you know it's a big family altogether also so that's really what drew me back to pdra um in the first place and i've had some really good success last year and starting off this year yeah you have and um there's no doubt about that and uh, but maybe we should tell our listeners a little bit about a where you're from and how you got into this thing because um for you to travel like you do and it's uh you're kind of tucked up there aren't you where, tell us uh, where brentwood new hampshire is and and how how you got started in this you know racing yeah brentwood new hampshire is uh, i'm actually about three miles from uh new england dragway which is epping the next town over um and that is the hardest part for me um is basically most of the races are very far away from uh, 
from us. But, you know, it, it really makes it worth it. I, I love the format of PDRA. I love the people. I love the, you know, everybody that runs PDRA. You know, it's just it's just something, you know, for anybody that hasn't tried it, they really should get into it. Um, great competition. But, yeah, the, um, I got into it when my dad was, uh, he ran Competition Eliminator uh, in NHRA, sure. uh, B-Altered class. So, you know, that that's how I really got into racing to begin with, you know, back when I was nine, ten years old, and then it, it graduated on. And, and believe it or not, my very first car I ever owned was purchased from Troy Finner, who I ran in the final in Norwalk in Top Sportsman. Ah, okay. So, yeah, and, uh, and another funny story was the Camaro that I drive now in Top Sportsman, he has the engine that was originally in that car when it was built. So that, that was kind of a cool deal, too. Uh, very cool, yeah. And Troy's got a beautiful piece, too. Um, so you guys had uh, really two awesome-looking Camaros in the final there in Norwalk. Yes. Um, and so at some point, though, because you at this point you run a top dragster and a top sportsman car um, in PDRA events and when you can on the NHRA side. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you made that move and, and got real comfortable with these classes. Yeah, I, uh, I originally I originally started off as a bracket racer, and in 2004 I was actually hired to drive uh, for a guy named Steve DeRosa, and that's how I was introduced to IHRA Top Sportsman. I, I did that for a few years. Um, won my first IHRA national event at Bud's Creek in 2003, and that kind of carried the torch. I, I really got hooked on the door cars. Um, I, I do love the dragster racing, but in, in my opinion, there's nothing like driving a, a fast door car. So I did that. I took a few years off in 2010 when my daughter was born. I kind of wanted to stick around, be with her for the, for the first five years of her life and not be at the racetrack all the time. And um, funny story was I had an undercover dragster that really wasn't for sale. And my now team owner bought that, who I didn't even know at the time. And uh, he had asked me two months after that if i wanted to drive one of his top sportsman cars and that's kind of what got me back into uh what i'm doing today oh wow okay um well there's a couple things i need to unpack there so let's start with uh your team owner because i i've had a chance to see the the two vehicles that you drive but why don't you walk us through uh your top dragster and then the top sportsman car and and talk a little bit about your team owner yeah, the uh, the dragster is a 2016 uh, Dan Page car with a uh, 665. It was originally a Raya Morrison motor, but Brett Nesbitt at Nesbitt Performance does all my engines. Uh, you know, I've had just such great luck with him. I could put lap after lap on him. Um, they're just such a such a great piece. And the Camaro was acquired, used uh, by my team owner. And at the time when I first started with him, I was driving a 68. Uh, Wally Stroop Camaro. Okay. He had purchased this Bickle car, and he says, you know, how would you like this car? And in my, you know, my personal preference, I like the 69 body a little bit better. You know, as far as the chassis goes, I think Stroop and Bickle are uh, both great chassis mm -hmm. builders. The cars are, just work phenomenally, both of them. But, uh, but like I said, when I met Tommy, I really didn't even know him, and I had sold him that car, and, you know, he just... 
he had done his homework and asked around about me and knew that I drove for other people and I really took care of everybody's stuff like it was my own. So he had offered me the the ride and it kind of just escalated. And then we actually added the top dragster uh, a year after the top sportsman car, which, cause I said, if I was going to travel all this distance, I'd really like to be able to run two classes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. So um, it's, a 68 Bickle car, you said. Um, what about the the uh, engine and transmission and driveline? Yeah, on the, on the um, <clears throat> excuse me, the one I have now is actually a 69 Bickle. Oh. <clears throat> that has a 65 originally built by, by Brett uh, at Nesbitt Performance. And I run FDI transmissions and Greg Slack uh, torque converters. Okay. Those. So... So you've got 665s in both pieces then. That probably helps a little bit then, I would guess, in terms of just consistency and maybe understanding what what those motors are going to like and even if the weather changes a little bit. Is that by design or is that just kind of how it worked out? Uh, it actually just worked out that way. And the funny part is <clears throat> the um, – the Camaro motor I actually spray with nitrous, and the dragster motor is just ran um, naturally aspirated. And, you know, the funny thing is, in the eighth mile, they both run almost identical. Huh. So between that, and, and then they both have similar parts, so it makes it easier to have spare parts for both, uh, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, it did, it did kind of just coincidentally happen. Well, nicely done, Nick. I mean, if you're going to, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> fall into something, that's the perfect way to do it, I guess. Um, now that's, that's great. Um, well, I know you have good stuff and, um, that, that's pretty neat that your, uh, that your team owner, you know, helps you and, and makes that happen. But I also know that at the track, especially at the PDRA events, you are hustling. Talk to us, uh, tell the, our listeners about what all happens at the PDRA event between you and, uh, your quote unquote crew member. Yeah, so um, when we race PRA, believe it or not, we uh, we have the top drags to the top sportsman, and my daughter drives a junior, and <clears throat> my only crew is actually my daughter, who is a twelve is twelve years old, but man, she really works her tail off. And the other part that really gets crazy is all three of our classes are back to back to back, uh. so it really becomes yeah, it, it's a very stressful like hour you know hour hour 15 minutes and then all of a sudden we're sitting there and <laughs> doing nothing for three hours yeah um because and i know when you're winning um yeah you've got quite a logistical uh you know musical chair type thing you got to move around how does how does that all that work what's your what's your game plan when you go to the lanes with three cars back to back to back yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, early rounds, it's, it's fairly easy. There's enough time to do it. Um, but as far as, we haven't had all three very, very deep, but we have had, I have had my top dragster in Camaro um, <clears throat> in the semis in both race, the last two races at PDRA. Right. So what I normally do is I, I can give, uh, I text Tyler, who runs PDRA, and uh, kind of give him a heads up. And they, they kind of know to watch for me. Sure. And they'll split up the class a little. But but my typical game plan is, you know, where the dragster is really low maintenance, I kind of get that up in the lanes and leave it there. And then I go make my pass on the Camaro 
Ava picks me up in the golf cart, and I come hauling butt back down, full suited pretty much, and jump back in the dragster. Ah, uh, gotcha. And then just leave the Camaro down at the top end, and then come uh, go and get it later. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what happens, you know. Or, or if I have a little bit of time, we will fly back with the with the Camaro if we can, you know. But we we try not to do that to avoid any kind of, you know, accidents from rushing and stuff like that. Sure, sure. Well, you you mentioned your daughter um, and running the juniors. Um, how does she like it? Um, you having plans to put her in the top dragster car at some point, or what's the what's her um, goal and kind of what is she working towards right now? Yeah, Ava. Believe it or not, Ava's Ava's very very competitive, and, and people around the track know Ava very well. And uh, you know, she's always the one at home, like when we leave and when we going, let's, let's load stuff up. Let's get going. You know, she's, she's really into it. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to say more than me because I, I obviously love the sport myself, but she, she's right up there. I mean, she just, she will not miss a race. She will not miss, you know, helping me work on the cars at home. And as far as her driving, um, <clears throat> she started when she was eight and she had a very successful, uh, three or four years. And she's won, I believe she's won, at least six or seven races. Oh wow! Uh, Haven't ha- she hasn't won a PERA race yet? But she's she's had one final and a couple of, couple of semis. Uh, that's a, that's impressive. So, yeah, obviously um, she gets that same passion from you and is uh, I mean is capitalizing on it uh, like uh, like uh, father like daughter I guess in terms of that. That's that's really cool. Um, we see that often with sons right and i'm i'm living a proof of that you know i would go to the track with my dad but um see what the, with the daughters is uh adds a as really unique and cool twist in my opinion um yeah i, I really yeah it's good and, and it keeps us close you know it, it's 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 good to have that bond with you know whether it's your son or your daughter and you know being able to have those memories and do everything that you love and like i said drag racing is such a family sport anyway it's not not even always just with your dad or your daughter or your mom, you know, it, it's just, everybody is, is, is just so, you know, it, it, it's so family oriented and people are just so great in drag racing. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the amount of times that, uh, you know, the stories be told, well, you know, you break and your competitor helps you or whatever is just, um, a really, really unique to our sport, I think. And part of why I love it. Um, but what also, again, is unique is the, the fact that you are winning at the clip you are winning at right now. Do you, um, do you dare take stock of, uh, what you've done over the, the last, uh, couple months here this year, or, or do you just stay in focused in the moment? Um, or do you, do you look somehow and go, Hey, here's why I'm having some success. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't have much emotion too much. Like I, like when I win and stuff, um, I've been told by other people that I have ice in my veins. Nothing really rattles me. And I think, I think I've learned that from watching some of the, you know, great racers out there like Peter Biondo and Scotty Richardson and people I've bracket raced with and, you know, friends like my, like my, my good friend, Donnie Urban, stuff like that. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing I tell people a lot with drag racing, it's like playing golf. You know, it's when you're on that starting line and you don't have a clear head, you know, it, it just ain't going to happen. And I've been fortunate enough over the last couple of years to be able to get up there and have the confidence of staying focused and, 
you know, having a good race car where I don't have to worry about the car as much, uh, you know, all that stuff just really, really gels together. And, and what has really made, you know, the success I've had in the last two years. Yeah. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense actually. I mean, um, in terms of that, like when the car's right, it feels a little easier to focus, uh, and do your job as a driver. And, and, and then that just gives you more confidence to, to uncork, uh, on time and, and make decisions that you have to make. That's, uh, it makes a, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, well, you, you obviously are running the PDRA event and then you ran the NHRA event close to home. Cause it's what, it's uh, just a couple miles away. What's, what's next on your schedule for this year? Or what, what are your goals for the team there, Nick? Uh, to start the year off, I really only planned on doing the PDRA races and um, some of the local. I, w- I was going to do a bunch of Division One races, but um, my my business at home is just too busy for me to be on the road as much as I am. So from this point on, I may go to Lebanon Valley, which is Division One NHRA race this weekend coming. Uh-huh. Um, but after it's going to be strictly PDRA only and. Um, PRA is now having that summit, uh, pro stars deal. It's kind of yeah. like the Jags all stars. Yep. So I'm, I'm doing pretty well in that in both classes. So, you know, I hope, I hope to qualify both cars in that. So that'll be an additional race for me. Yeah, no, I think, and you're sitting pretty right. I don't, um, have the point standing in front of me right now, but you are, um, in position to race for both top sportsman and top dragster. If I remember right, is that accurate? Yeah, I know. I haven't really looked at it much um, in the top dragster one, but I know in in the door car. I mean, I, I think I could pretty much sit out the next two races and still qualify in that. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty comfortable in top dragster. I, I don't. I don't think. I think I'm about 99, percent you know, in on both cars at this moment. Yeah. No, it's a really neat event uh, that the PDRA is putting together, and uh, just again, what a, what a great show they they do put on and. Another tip of the hat to Tyler and the crew for for doing that. Well, uh, Nick, we we wish you luck in in that series and and moving forward the rest of the season. Um, very cool stuff. You and your daughter um, and uh, just just mowing them down right now. So keep it rolling, man. Keep it rolling. Yeah, I hope to keep it rolling. I mean, I, like I said, I just you know I'm 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 a little in awe right now where you know, three finals in a row and in, in such, you know, tough classes, you know, I just really hope and I'm fortunate that, uh, I'm able to do it and Hey, hope everything keeps going. Hope I can roll right into the pro stars. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure you will. Um, you've, uh, you, you got, you've done a heck of a job so far this season and, and no doubt, uh, you'll keep it rolling for the rest of the year. So, uh, congrats so far and, and good luck the rest of the season guys, girls, that is the hottest driver in top dragster in the country at the moment, um, my man, Nick Maloney. Thanks for coming on, Nick. All right. Thank you, Rex. Today's half-track report is brought to you by dragracelawyer.com like it always is you know if you need a high powered attorney you have to go to dragracelawyer.com let's start with the national event uh, for the NHRA in Epping, New Hampshire 
in Top Dragster. They did not hold the Top Sportsman uh, competition there. It was Top Dragster only. There were 29 cars, and your number one qualifier was Anthony Bertozzi. He goes 613 with a zero at 225 miles an hour for the pole position. Uh, Anthony AB always tough out, and certainly when he is uh, the fast fastest car. Uh, but in the end, it was Nick Maloney. You heard him here earlier over Kyle Catrella. Uh, Kyle is 002 red which ushers in Nick Maloney's first national event win in Top Dragster. So nicely done, Nick. Uh, now, moving to Tulsa, NHRA D4 event out there in Top Sportsman. There were 19 cars, your number one qualifier, Darian Bosch. He goes 632-2, very leisurely run for Darian in the top spot. Number two was Bob Galitti and Bob goes to the final and wins the final over Scooter Hampton. Bob has the reaction time advantage and finishes one over his dial-in while Scooter got a little too aggressive and breaks out. So Bob Galitti gets it done in top sportsman in Tulsa. On the top dragster side, 28 cars lined up. Ross Larise from Raceland, Louisiana. You've heard him here. He goes number one. He goes 6'10 with a five. But in the end, it was Rusty Baxter over Michael Green. Uh, both were very even off the line. Rusty has a three-thou advantage. Uh, double breakout finish with Rusty eight-thou too soon and Michael Green nine-thousandths too quick. So really... Uh, great job of driving there by Rusty for the win, but that is no surprise from the former U.S. Nationals top dragster champ. Um, now, continuing west, we go to the NHRA Division Six event. They start their season out in Kent, Washington, and from the top sportsman side, there were 19 cars. Your number one qualifier was Darren Shank. He has a 2010 Cobalt and goes 686 with a zero at 200 miles an hour for the top spot. And your winner is Neil Gunnarsson over Yeshua Wilcox. Neil with the reaction time advantage and runs dead on his 732 dial for his first Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series top sportsman Wally. So congrats to Darren Shank there. On the top dragster side, very similar, 18 cars. Your number one qualifier, Steve Will, he goes 621.9 at 229 miles an hour. And your winner is Taylor Vetter over Kevin Rennick. Taylor with your action time advantage and leads Kevin through beautifully for his first top dragster, Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series Wally. So, couple of first-time winners in D6. We will be tracking both Neil Gunnarsson and Taylor Vetter closely to see how they follow up these first for them. Uh, so nicely done to everyone this past weekend. Uh, the Midwest Drag Racing Series was rained out again. So they'll reschedule that event that was down um, in Texas. Uh, kind of been a tough season for them thus far when they've had really a good reason to be optimistic going into this season. Um, so we'll see how they rally. Still lots 
of season left in the 2021 season, and I would expect the Midwest Drag Racing Series to uh, really get it ramped up this back half of the schedule. Um, next week, we'll cover the NHRA Division One event coming up this weekend at Lebanon Valley, and also the NHRA Division Five event out at Bandemir Speedway, that beautiful facility out in Denver, Colorado. As we hit the mile per hour cone, we have to talk about the upcoming PDRA Summit Pro Stars event coming up uh, July 15th through 17th at Virginia Motorsports Park. This is another amazing event that uh, the folks over at the PDRA have put together in no way, shape, or form. Was this podcast designed to be a complete honk for the PDRA? That being said, I got to give them credit and I'm doing exactly what needs to be done, which is give credit where credit is due. So if you're familiar with the NHRA JEGS event where we take the top earners of uh, the, the divisions, points earners of the divisions, midway through uh, this year and then use mid-year for, through last year and kind of do a all-star event to mid-season, much like the NBA would do an all-star event or the NFL. Actually, they do a uh, pro thing after the season. But the, the Major League Baseball has their all-star event in mid-season. This is exactly what that is. And the PDRA continues to make themselves extremely relevant progressing, making the series better and better each year. And this event is just another feather in their hat, in in my opinion. And what's really cool about this is Summit has come aboard um, and there is no entry fee. You just take the top points earners up to this point and put them in an event Certainly, uh, Pro Nitrous and the Pro Boost guys are going to go against each other, which is really interesting. And then from the top dragster and top sportsman side, you're going to see dragsters and door cars go against each other for the first time in that series. So you're going to have the top eight top dragster elite folks against top eight top sportsman elite folks to get a 16-car field. So that will be interesting. So on top of the cash, the $7,500 cash prizes, you will get a little bit of bragging rights as well to see door car versus dragster in that class. And they'll do the same thing uh, as they do on the elite side on the regular 32 group as well. So they will be a top eight um, dragsters, top eight sportsman door cars, and we'll, we'll figure that thing out. It should be a really cool event. And I'm excited to check that out. I just think it's another thing in the progression of the PDRA, in the progression of the sport, to, to bring the folks out, continue to have people be bought into the series. Um, it makes people, and you've you've heard it here before. Like it is a, quite an investment to make the travel arrangements to get around the series, and this gives an opportunity to to make that all worthwhile. And the fact that it's along with their already their race they're having, 
at VMP, but this is a race within a race, and it is the people that have qualified up to that point to get there. I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to check that out. And um, I guess the thought now will be, I guess the dragsters obviously would have a little bit of an advantage, but we'll see at this point um, who has who ultimately gets bragging rights, whether it's the dragster or the sportsman, you know, top sportsman guys. But uh, be very, very interested to see. And they're doing that even with the junior dragsters. They're uh, giving some cash out to the junior dragsters, so the the kids get into that as well. But um, I just really think this is one more thing that the PDRA has done right in terms of getting uh, an all-star type event. And, you know, they're, they're also putting the Pro Nitrous and Pro Boost together, guys together, just like they're doing top dragster and top sportsman. Then they uh, do an elite pro stock group. And then they're doing a pro outlaw 32 group as well. So really... Um, you know, put some money out there um, as a kicker and then, you know, really a unique competition as far as that goes. So excited to see how that all shakes out uh, for the PDRA, which is the Summit PDRA Pro Stars event uh, coming up here in July. So nicely done, PDRA. Um, You continue to impress uh, for certainly for all of us drag racing fans, and certainly those of us that have the top dragster and top sportsman gene in our bodies. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a quick peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 71. And of course, there it is. We are undefeated. There's the wind light. And man, I cannot wait to hear Gloria. That is so good. Um, Guys, girls, we had another great week this week. Uh, We got down with the latest results. We talked about what we can all do. Uh, Something minor, really. Uh, Doesn't take but 20 seconds, but something that we can do in order to help the sport that we love. And then, uh, you know, we thank the Colorado State Police. So, man, that is good. And then Nick Maloney came on. My man is on fire right now. And uh, really appreciate him taking time out of his busy schedule to join us and talk a little bit about him and his uh, crew, him and uh, his daughter Ava doing such a great job right now. So uh, thank you to Nick for coming on. Guys, girls, if you have comments, questions, or curse words for me, you know that there are three ways to get at me. One is to use the Facebook page using Messenger. That is uh, is all good. You can, uh, you know, you can uh, send a carrier pigeon, something that is, uh, you know, something that is avoiding all the cicadas. That would be good. I will listen to that. Or you can use the email, which is fastbrackets at outlook.com. And all three of those ways you can get at me. Hopefully, what you will do is use those three ways to tell me another state that is getting on board with pushing people from the left lane to the right lane like a civilized society would do. Um, All right, guys, uh, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe.
this mean you've become so popular out on the podcast world that Colorado decided to just give you a birthday present and get everybody out of the left-hand lane? Yes, Chris, that's exactly right. Colorado is understand if they if if more people were like the Colorado State Police and listened to me, the world would be a better place. And I do. I take it as a personal birthday gift that they made that post and they're trying to get people to camp in their state parks and not in the left-hand lane. It makes the world a better place. I've said this for years and it's about time someone started taking my advice.